Hello and welcome back to the FMDG Twitch channel. This is another The Offensive Zone show and this is your weekly slice of hockey coming at you every Sunday whenever or wherever you are. Uh, hosted by just myself today, so no Tyler. Unfortunately, he was tied up, but you still get me. And more importantly than me, we have a special guest with us today. So we are going to be covering the Vegas Golden Knights in some detail, but we will be picking up some of the other biggest and best hockey news stories around. And you can get my thoughts, uh, relatively animated, on the, on the jersey ads as well. So one thing where being a Brit pays off, because when it's jersey ads, I can tell you guys a thing or two about that. But let's get to our guest. Uh, he is he does quite a lot of things, but I'm going to let him explain all of those things. Um, but I'm pleased to, uh, to say hello to JP. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, glad you could be here, mate. Glad you could be here. So we have... Uh, just because I wanted to show there was no unconscious bias uh, when we're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, I thought, well, why not get a Vegas Golden Knights fan? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not biased one bit. I'm completely <laughs> objective when it comes to the Golden Knights. No, I wish I could say that. But uh, I try to be. I pride myself in being objective. But uh, yeah, hardcore Vegas Golden Knights fan. So uh, there's going to be some bias in there at times, especially when you're talking about other teams and Yep. But uh, yeah, but thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. And uh, to be honest, it's I, I did a bit of research before this show, so I'm not going to oversell the level of research that I did. I did a bit. <laughs> and uh, it's only when you actually look at the numbers, you realize quite how much fun it must have been being a, a Vegas fan over the years. Um, but before we get into Vegas... Uh, I think it's best that we start with you and just a little bit of an intro from you about well, from yourself, about yourself and about not only your love of, of the Vegas Golden Knights, of course, but what Golden Steel is all about as well. Yeah, so Golden Steel at the moment is basically my Twitter profile, but I plan to expand it into a website and just a brand in general. I really started Golden Steel as a way just to connect with other Golden Knights fans, with other hockey fans, you know, just as a community, obviously Twitter is a great place to hang out and talk about sports. And that was initially why I started it, but I happened to create content for a living and it's really hard for me to do anything just casually, just for fun. And um, I got onto Twitter and started chatting with people and, you know, realized, wow, this is, this is a lot of fun actually to, you know, I'm, I'm a Golden Knights fan. I'm a Golden Knights season ticket holder, but it's generally an experience just for me and my family. Like I don't have a huge group of friends that are Golden Knights fans. And so I got on Twitter and I'm like, oh, wow, now I, I'm hanging out with like hundreds of other fans yeah. and we can chit chat and talk about stuff. And since I produce content for a living, I kind of started experimenting and putting out different things and you know, kind of started being a little bit of a Knights historian, you know, with like game clips and yeah. kind of old bits of Knights history. And, you know, sometimes I, I'll put together artwork or charts or graphics and have just been playing around with some of that stuff. And it's been fun. I feel like, you know, some of the friends that I made on Twitter kind of are enjoying those things. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of been growing from there. And mm -hmm. um, like I said, I plan to kind of launch a website and I think going into next season, um, I'd like to do some sort of, you know, commentary or coverage of the Knights. I'm still formulating exactly what that's going to be. And and it might base that more on what, you know, kind of my Twitter buddies, what they enjoy. But um, 
but yeah, that's that's kind of the plan. It's still a little bit of a work in progress, but I'm like addicted. I'm on Twitter every day and always <laughs> chatting with everybody. I, for the most part, answer if anybody comments or chats on on my Twitter profile, I pretty much will respond. You know, with the exception, of course, you're going to occasionally run into some people that aren't very civil or, you know, are a bit rude or a bit nasty. And I generally won't engage with those people, but that's really rare. Like the vast majority of people are pretty cool on there. So it's been fun. I'm excited to to see things grow and super pumped about next season. Mm. And I think that's, I mean, that's probably a, you know, hockey fan base in general is like that. You get a lot of chirping, but it's all, you know, for the most part, it is it's relatively... Uh, light-hearted and well-mannered so that's that's important um yeah and there, that is part of the culture right like chirp mm-hmm. chirping is a little bit part of the hockey culture so you can't get too offended right you have to kind of no. you sort of have to take it you know take it with a grain of salt yeah. but uh and anyway the, 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 like you said i mean there's a lot of what you just said then really resonates with myself because um you know we were kind of talking before we came on live and and about like where everything came from, whether it's the offensive zone show or, or golden steel. And, and like you, I tend to be a very all or nothing kind of person. And I, when it, when it, when it, when you start something, it kind of just grows and grows. And then I start throwing more and more effort and time into it as, as it kind of builds. So, um, yeah, I, I, from what you're saying about golden steel, like it definitely resonates a lot with, with us and what we, you know, what we started, which is the, the FMDG bit of the bottom. When we started that, well, it must be coming up to, uh, eight nine ten months ago to to now obviously doing doing this show so great to have a like-minded uh never stops thinking and working person on the uh, on the absolutely chat. and and i gotta say if you don't mind me um just paying you a quick compliment mm-hmm. you know when you invited me to be on i checked out your stuff and i was like oh wow this guy's like this guy's really like a mover and a shaker just looking at your branding <laughs> and i can tell that you like hustle and um and i was impressed by that and like yeah it's a very slick presentation and so i was excited to kind of hang out with you and be a part of it so yeah thanks again for the invite and uh, i'll pay you later uh, for the compliments (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's in the post all right (laughs) exactly you can you can paypal me (laughs) so look the the people that are are, are watching live and hopefully there is some people watching live because as we always do with the offensive zone show you can ask questions we have some set questions so if you don't it's not going to be silence for an hour but um, and from you know, with myself and JP on, it probably wasn't going to be silent anyway. Um, but if you want to ask your questions, whether they're, they're Vegas Golden Knights related or not, then then feel free to use the chat, and they'll pop up on the screen. And obviously, we'll ask. Uh, JP can't see the screen, but I can, so we're, we're okay on that front. But anybody who is listening wanted to see us talk hockey, so I suppose it's probably the right thing for us to do is to get into the questions. And as a Vegas fan and anybody that's watched the stuff that we've got on YouTube, uh, and if you haven't, do go check it out. Um, but we, we entirely went through in detail about the Vegas offseason and the moves that happened. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury's the biggest move in terms of, um, the, I suppose, the most notable move. But there was quite a lot of other moves that were, that Vegas made. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts were with the moves. And we can go through them one by one if that's easiest for you. Uh, and, and we always, yeah, I'm ready. We'll, we'll start there. Yeah. So, you know, obviously just so that we can all relax, let's get the 600-pound <laughs> gorilla in the room out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Marc-Andre Fleury trade is obviously the most seismic impactful, you know, move probably that the Knights have ever made as a team in terms of Mm. 
the way the fan base feels about it. I mean, so, and the hockey world in general, right? But extremely polarizing within the fan base. Um, you know, it's, Twitter has been kind of a scary place for the, for the fans that were especially angry about it. Now, I should qualify all this by saying, I love Marc-Andre Fleury, huge fan, super sad to see him go. So everything that I'm going to say after this has to be, you have to keep that in mind. I love Fleury, was super sad to see him go. But my opinion on the Fleury trade, and I think what a lot of Vegas fans are forgetting, and some will probably be mad at me for saying this, because I get a lot of people saying, oh, are you defending management? And I'm, I'm not really, I don't have a strong feeling on it either way. But what I see is that management set this into motion like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of committed to, in a way, to moving Flurry a year and a half ago. Like, you know, they, Flurry had a rough season. It's not unusual when goaltenders get to be his age that they have like a rapid decline. That's that's kind of typical. And I think what happened is he had a bit of a rough season. Management felt like, okay, Flurry maybe is hitting his, you know, kind of the twilight of his career. He's declining. They brought in Leonard. You know, then Leonard did great in the bubble. They signed Leonard to a long-term deal. And at that point, the, the, the wheels were already in motion, right? They were going to have to move a goalie. And at that time, all the plans were, we're probably going to move Flurry. And I honestly think they probably shopped him for the, the better part of that year and a half. Now, what blew the lid off this whole thing, what was so crazy was then Flurry defies expectations. <laughs> no, comes in, has a Vesna winning season, which nobody saw coming. I mean, he's an amazing goalie, right? Hall of Famer, but nobody's like, yeah, he's going to come in and win the Vesna you know, at what, 36 years old or whatever. Yep. So now they're between a rock and a hard place, right? Like they can't trade him now without looking bad. <laughs> like there's just, <laughs> there's no way around it, right? And these are the difficult things about these big moves. Now I do think, according to insiders and a lot of the press, I do think that when Flurry started playing so well again, I think they shopped both goaltenders. I really do. I think I think they probably looked for deals on Leonard. I think they probably looked for deals on Flurry. Um you know, because they realize, well, we got two amazing goaltenders, but they also realize we can't keep twelve point five million or whatever it is, twelve million in salary mm-hmm. in goaltenders. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's kind of how I see it. I see it as one of those things where the momentum on this move started a year and a half ago, but it makes management look terrible that he came back and played so well, right? <laughs> like, because everybody says, why would you trade a Vesna winning goalie? But I think they unfortunately had committed to trading him well before, at least in terms of the team's finances and the future plan. Like, I don't think they ever planned on keeping both of those guys. I just think the pandemic and it was maybe helpful, but I think they had a hard time having anybody who would take all that salary. So I told you before uh, that I'm uh, in, that I'm long winded. So you can cut me off anytime, but that's kind of my take (laughs) on the flurry thing. And I say all that I love flurry. I was really sad to see him go. Um, I also think Leonard is is an elite goalie. I think he's great. Yes. And I think management believes in him too. So I think the team's going to be fine. But yes, it's heartbreaking to see Fleury go. I mean, he was, yep. everybody loved him here. I mean, who doesn't, right? Like they love him in Pittsburgh. They're going to love him in Chicago. But so the, the fan base is heartbroken over it. But now that the dust is settled, that's kind of my take on how it went down. I think it was an ugly, complicated situation. And 
manage. There's no way management was going to get out of it without upsetting a lot of people, you know. No, no, no. And because he was such a fan favorite, they were in a lose lose situation. The only way it would have been easier, I won't say easy, but even easier, is if he was playing poorly because the fans would have would have understood better i think than than, than they probably did because like i said no one expected him to to be doing what he you know to have the sort of um the sort of season that he that he did have um but which was awesome to see too yeah, like, yeah that and was it, great. It i mean like we were thrilled because, about it exactly and, and lena to be to be honest I mean, i'm a big lena fan obviously you, you know because we were talking about it pre-show but you know i before defecting to the Kraken, um, I, I, you know, I have been a Chicago Blackhawks fan for a long, long, long period of time, and I, I probably still am. I'm just going to have a Kraken jersey on over the top of a Chicago Blackhawks jersey because I don't think you can ever fully kind of break away from a team. But the so I've obviously seen Lena at his best, and when Chicago traded him, you could maybe argue that that that's, that that it was discussed then. Um, no one's ever going to admit whether it was or wasn't, but it would be interesting to know whether it was ever discussed at that point in time because it did seem like the Lena move was um, was far better for Vegas than than Chicago at that point in time. Um, Absolutely, yeah. No, no, I think that's clever. I actually haven't thought about that, but you're you could be right. Like they could have been talking about swapping, right? Swapping goaltenders, mm-hmm. kind of. And maybe that when people are looking, saying, "Well, you didn't get much back for him." Maybe it's because they already got Lena at a cheap rate, so technically they did. Um, and also, the, the other things that the, that didn't help the Golden Knights out. And I know we're going to cover this in a bit in terms of the whole win now mode. But Vegas have been um, bold ever since they joined the league, and maybe it's it's part of you know <laughs> just being Vegas and everything that Vegas is about. You know, it's no surprise that the team. You know, the, from Vegas, gambles quite a bit when it comes to to going all out on players, which has been fantastic all the way for the league, and it's been great to see them kind of go for broke and not be tentative around trade, whether it's uh, Petrangelo, whether it was even going back to the early days like Shea Theodore. They've always been bold in terms of their trades, um, but the pandemic then stopped the one thing that everybody thought was going to keep rolling on, which was the salary cap. We saw a big increase, um, I won't say big, so a reasonable increase the year after Vegas came in. And then obviously because of the pandemic, it's been now stuck at that 80, I think it's 81 and a half million, which is, it hurt so many other teams as well. But then when you're trying to shop a seven and a half million cap goalie, I know it's only for one season, but still, you've still got to have it. It does limit the, the teams and by default it's going to limit you you know it's like a house it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it and if nobody was willing to take flurry on and pay for that, that pleasure then you have no choice right yeah that's a really good point and i think when the especially the fan base in their rage over that trade <laughs> over the flurry trade i think that's something you didn't hear people talk about a lot but that's a really important point to keep in mind ian is that the pandemic came in and threw the world on its head, not just sports, but for everybody, right? Yeah. So, you know, back when they brought Leonard in and they were doing all this, you know, we were, it was the beginnings of the pandemic. We were, you know, we were getting a feeling that maybe it was headed that direction, but, um, but, you know, nobody knew at that time what was going to happen. And yeah, with the, the cap and the lost revenue in the NHL and that threw off everybody's plans. And so, you know, in this case, management found themselves in a hole and they had to get out of it. And, you know, unfortunately, some of the collateral damage was a little bit of, um, you know, angst among the fan base over that. But 
you know, honestly, like I, I love Vegas and, and I'm, I'm actually a fan of management for the most part. I think they could improve on some things, but yeah, like you said, they're aggressive and, you know, it's cup or bust, you know, <laughs> Bill Foley, the owner, he yeah. wants the Stanley cup. And if they have to upset a few fans to get the cup, you know, they're smart enough to know that, um, when Vegas wins the cup, all those angry fans won't be angry anymore because winning cures all. And, you know, they're, they're putting yeah. butts in the seats. Like, you know, there's a huge waiting list for season tickets. They're doing great. And, and I think a lot of that anger will subside over time, but, uh, you know, and certainly not faulting anybody. I totally understand being upset. Like I get it. I was super bummed as well, but, mm. um, but yeah, you didn't. You don't hear a lot of practical discussion. It's very emotional still right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it, and it probably awesome. will. I mean, like, it'll be awful. It'll be really weird to see what happens when he comes back because I think there'll be a massive amount of respect. But that'll probably yeah. reignite some of that anger. Um, the question Definitely. I did have on the Fleury trade because you know we heard a lot of things when it first happened, and one of the things that was that was constant was around how he was told and. There, I always say it's a rumor because obviously you know Mark Andre didn't ring me and he's not, and he's, he's not <laughs> I've not seen him actually go other than what people have said is that he found out about the trade through Twitter and we we mean you know how good Twitter can be but it's it's some, that sort of stuff you feel like and I've seen this happen at Chicago a few times the management always has to make tough decisions and they will always get shot for the ones that don't pay off and they'll be classed as being lucky for the ones that do um, but. That feels like a bit of an own goal when you've got somebody that they know is a fan favorite if they if they didn't kind of tell him before it broke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, if the if that's the real story, and then like and you you mentioned that as well. If that's really the way it went down, yeah. Then yeah, it's a bad look, right? Like <laughs> and I totally get why everybody's cranky about that. Like it's it's not cool if if it's that cut and dry. Um you know, my feeling on the flip side of that coin, I, you know, I can go back on my Twitter feed and see a post that I put up three weeks before Flurry was traded. Mm. I posted about the rumors that Flurry might be traded to Chicago. So, um, so I can't, you know, I don't think it's that Flurry had absolutely no idea. Like, you, you know, you have to know that him and his agent were discussing it. And, you know, Kelly McCrimmon also said that Flurry was kept in the loop, but your point is totally valid. Right. Like if the, if he got the final news that, yes, you're actually getting traded, if Twitter's the way he found out, that's pretty crappy. You know, unfortunately, I feel like information moves so quickly these days. Uh, it does. You know, think about it. It's like there's several moving parts to a trade. I'm just putting myself in the shoes of management and people get mad at me for this sometimes. But it's just <laughs> how I tend to tend to look at things. I try to kind of look at both sides of a coin and I put myself in Kelly McCrimmon's shoes or George McPhee and. When it comes time to make the trade, I'm not as educated as as some people are on this, but you know, I'm sure there's an official sort of you know best practice. There's an official method for doing it. You know, you place a call to the NHL's offices, and you sort of officially you move this paperwork, you sign this stuff, you put in you know the news that is. And I imagine there's these T's that have to get crossed and I's that have to get dotted before it's official. Um, and when you have an office full of people at the NHL and an office full of people at the Golden Knights offices and their spouses and their friends, you know, loose lips sink ships. And the unfortunate reality is all that has to happen is for McCrimmon to make a call and the 
you know, the assistant or the secretary or other people on that team, somebody texts their friend, don't tell anybody I told you, but they're trading flirt. I mean, you know how it works, right? Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, the press insiders have it. And so I sympathize because I think it's really hard to keep anything secret these days. So, you know, I guess maybe they should have called flurry first, but I get the feeling that maybe there was some concern Mm. about the trade. I mean, you know, who knows? Like agents can kill trades. Like they might've been concerned. Like, well, if, if, if Alan Walsh, you know, Flurry's agent finds out too early, like they don't, you know, Vegas, he doesn't want to leave Vegas. Maybe he'll kill the trade. Who knows? This is all speculation, but, um, but I have a feeling management obviously had some reason why they felt they needed to complete the trade before officially telling Flurry. And that's a big if, right? We don't know exactly how it went down, but that seems to be the official story. And um, it's certainly not ideal, is it? It's not a great way no. for things to go down. No, and I, I think it's a valid point you made there. And it, there are lots of moving parts. Um, I mean, I, I do think that he, I believe that he found out via Twitter. And the only reason I say that is because I said I haven't got any inside information. So I'd be lying if I said that there was, there was <laughs> some link to the NHL. Myself as well. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know any more than anybody else. You know, the way I think it was the way that Flurry reacted. Because like his initial reaction, and it was very emotional, and that that was the thing that I saw that kind of made me think, well, like, that kind of feels like there's a bit of weight to this story, which is his initial reaction was, well, I think I'm going to retire. Um, before he then thought about it and then realised that it, you know, kind of makes sense to give Chicago a go, and this is a team that, you know, without me getting too biased, but it's a team that nearly made the playoffs last season. They've added some good pieces to Stan Bowman and Dabley sat down and said to to Mark Andre, look, this. You know, we're we're the same as Vegas. We're in win now mode as well. This isn't a rebuild, although he said last year it was. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, trading for Seth Jones was some, again some pretty pretty bold moves by them. So it's not like he's uh, being shipped off to Buffalo, where you know you could understand him maybe looking at thinking. Mm. But the uh, and for <laughs> people go mental, I don't hate Buffalo either. But <laughs> there's a slight difference between being traded to a team that's got a chance, uh, and obviously on day one, all 32 teams have a chance to getting to the Stanley Cup final, but uh, some more than others. So yeah, I'll yeah. try to get that. Now, if, if we if we move away from, from Flurry, because th- th- there is a risk that we could probably spend an hour, hour talking oh, about Oh, yeah, him. yeah. We could, we could do a whole episode <laughs> just on that, exactly. And, and as you can tell from behind me, like there, there's a reason why his jersey is one of the two that I chose, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm an absolutely huge fan. But um, but it wasn't the only move that they made. They did make some other ones. Now, we, we can pick up Ryan Reeves, obviously, last because it was it was probably the more minor in terms of moves from a if you look at numbers perspective but you you know we can argue this in a minute but the other massive trade which I suppose unless you're gonna think of one I haven't thought of was the one that involved Nolan Patrick that was another trade where I kind of sat there going okay I don't get that (laughs) yeah like a little bit puzzling right in fact (laughs) yeah for Knights fans, for a lot of Knights fans, Nolan Patrick was just like completely off the radar. Like, especially he's playing for the Flyers, right? Since he's not in our division, like yep. a lot of people just didn't even know who he, who he is. Um, but and he's had he's had injury issues as well. I mean, this is it's, I don't know. I don't want to kind of be horrible about a guy who's only had a couple of professional seasons in the league because Nolan Patrick could still end up being an elite center, but. When you're taking someone on who's who's had concussion issues, it just just seemed like a really odd trade. Unless there was something with glass that I did from an outsider's perspective, I didn't see. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, the only thing 
what I see with the Nolan Patrick trade, I think, and Kellen McCrimmon has historically been very good at this. The team in general has been very good at this. I think Nolan Patrick for them is a, this guy's got tons of untapped potential. And according to our analysis, he just was not plugged into a system that allowed him to take advantage of that potential. I think that's what they're thinking on Patrick. I think like mm. what he was a second overall, I think draft pick, like he was, yeah. And he, he played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, which was the team Kelly McCrimmon, you know, owned and managed and coached. So he knows the player really well. And so I'm thinking that that move was based on that. He's a player that's been on their radar. And I think they probably feel that he wasn't in a situation where he was allowed to shine. You know, you know how it is. Like you, player can be great, but if they're not plugged into the right roster, if they're not plugged in with the right line mates, there's no chemistry. I think they're thinking he's got a ton of potential and he hasn't had a chance to realize it. But yeah, right. The concussion stuff, the injury stuff, that's obviously concerning. I think for them though, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if they've actually even, I don't think they've signed a, he doesn't have a contract yet. Right. Like they, the trade, but I don't know if they've locked down a deal with him yet, but I don't think he's going to be really expensive right now. No, so I also no. think for, for them, it's kind of lower risk. And I'd be, I expect Nolan Patrick to be a depth forward um, starting out. You know, I think he's yeah. going to be like a third line guy, a fourth line guy. Um, you know, you plug him in with tuck and Dadenoff maybe, or, um, I mean, there's a, you know, we got a bunch of, uh, of good depth forwards there, but, um, you know, it could, it could be, he could be a lethal player, but yeah, I'm with you. It, it was very, the day that it happened, I was like, Hmm, okay. <laughs> right? like, yeah. Not, not a big splash, but, um, they're, that's where they're lacking. I think, I think the team needs depth scoring, more depth scoring, and yeah. he could be a good move in that regard. Could be right. With an asterisk on the end. Mm. No, no, I, 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 I yeah, it makes sense. Actually, I didn't know the the McCrimmon kind of backstory in terms of him knowing Patrick when he was, you know, he was at the Wheat Kings. So, um, and it, Patrick you know, was it, in terms of when he was he was taken second overall. Um, I think that was the Nico Hishier draft. Somebody can feel free to tell me if I'm if I'm wrong, or I'll have to try and Google it quietly while you're talking. Right, exactly. You might have but, to get out the keyboard but I think, here. And... Um, I think it was that draft because it was mm-hmm. there was a, a massive discussion of whether Patrick was going to go first overall or not, and, and I'm pretty certain it was it was it was New Jersey that were the team that was selecting first. Um, mm. So, he, but he was in said, that conversation. He was in yeah. that conversation, yeah. And look, being first overall draft, as we know from. Yeah, we can go back through many drafts and find that the top three didn't amount to much. But you know, he is—he did have a high ceiling. It's just injuries, so maybe it is going to be a reset. If you're looking at teams that have managed to get the best out of people that haven't worked at other organisations, that's kind of was Vegas's mo year one and two. I mean, when people were comparing the Vegas squad that was chosen in the expansion draft to the Seattle squad, there were quite a lot of comments that I saw where people were saying, "Oh, Seattle got a weaker team," and I thought. Yeah, it, GMs have learned, you know, so there, there wasn't the obvious, you know, they, they, they've been clever over the last couple of years, signing deals. I mean, leaving people as UFAs because <clears throat> they knew they, that they didn't have to protect them is something that they wouldn't have done back in the expansion draft with Vegas because they didn't know. So they, they got smarter, but Vegas's team on day one didn't look that great. It's just that these players gelled within that system, within that 
kind of culture, like William Carlson, people like that, who Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, Columbus were quite happy to see go. And then he became an absolute stud, you know, in a Vegas jersey. So you know, maybe that'll happen to Patrick. It'll be good. It'll be good to see. That's a very Vegas thing. It's it's definitely the the team culture. I feel like the, the the culture and management and the team. That's a very Vegas way to be. Like to bring in some guy that has been sort of a middle of the road or bottom six player or a bottom pairing defenseman, and then they come to Vegas and they totally shine. Obviously, there's always a risk. But that's my vibe on on the Nolan Patrick trade. I think kind of like you're saying, I think that's another one of those hidden gem kind of acquisitions. They don't always work out, right? I mean, we even brought in players that you thought were going to be a, a lock for being amazing and it didn't work out, right? That that happens. Like the, that happens to every team. Certainly, you know, Tomash Tatar didn't work out in Vegas the way everybody Not hoped he true. would. And now he's killing it in Montreal. Um, and, uh, of course, Shipashev, you know, the, was supposed to be the big star center <laughs> yeah. and that lasted all of, you know, I mean, I think he played <laughs> two or three games in a Knights uniform. So there's always a gamble, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I think with Patrick, that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping they're going to unlock, you know, the guy's potential. So I'd forgotten about Shipashev. That is a blast from the past. I know blast Vegas from the past. That much past, but they have enough that I forgot that a player played. Like you said, he might've played. Maybe seven face-offs or something like that, but he, he, he didn't get a lot of time. Scored, so. scored one goal and got did, two yeah. or three games. And that was big drama right out of the gate. I mean, that was like early in the team's history. Yeah. That was huge news around here. And, you know, Shipashev was not happy. And, yeah, it was it was, that was, a, that was the first bit of big-time drama for mm. the team, and that was early in the season. So, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of, of time, and, and obviously me and you love to talk, so it was no surprise that we're, we're probably a little bit behind on the, on the agenda, but it's fine. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, and rather than kind of analysing all of the trades that have happened in the offseason, I guess the, the best question to ask that summarises all the moves that have happened is, and it's twofold, so I'll, I'll let you answer both, is one, did they get better? So did they get better as a team in this offseason? And, and secondly, so the second part of that question is, you know, are Vegas still going into next season in win now mode? Is it still cup or bust? Yeah. So, um, for the to your first question, did they get better? I think they got better on paper. I think there's an if there's a big if attached to that. If the players they brought onto the roster play to their full potential, it is absolutely a better team. Uh, particularly with adding Dadnoff, like he's a 20 goal per year guy if he's playing well. He had a rough season last year, but, um, and, you know, Dadnoff playing on the third line, you know, when Tuck comes back from injury, you know, they needed depth scoring. I think the bottom six is stronger than it was before on paper, but there's a, an asterisk there, you know, all those players need to play to their potential, which is always the case, of course. So, if those players have good seasons, then yes, I think the team improved. If those players have weaker seasons or kind of continue, you know, maybe not realizing their potential, then I think it's the team's roughly the same, which is still quite good, right? I mean, conference final, three out of the four seasons. So I still think they will be a contender, but yep. um, whether they improved or not, it obviously remains to be seen. But yes, I think on paper, you can say it's a it's a deeper roster. They didn't do the big splash signing yet. They might, but I think the roster has more depth. That third line uh, is more like a second line on a lot of teams. 
And we have not been able to say that uh, about Vegas in the past. So, and then um, the second part of the question, remind me what was the second, there was a, it was a two pronged question. What was the second part again? So the, the second bit was, are they, are they still in win, win now? Win I think now you called mode. it couple bust, I think was what you called it. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that Vegas mm. is still in win now mode. Bill Foley has established a, a winning culture. He wants yeah. a Stanley cup in Vegas and I think, yeah, it is very much cup or bust. Uh, and they are pushing the cap and all of their resources <laughs> within an yeah. inch of its life to get that Stanley Cup. There's some risk involved there, right? But uh, most of the teams that win cups do have to push that cap really hard and they have to make aggressive moves. And yeah, I absolutely think they're definitely still in win now mode at the moment. That can't go on forever, right? You eventually eventually it's going to peter out and you're, you know, teams have to go through these cycles, right? You eventually got that window and then you have to tear down and rebuild. But at, at the moment, I would say definitely win now. Yeah. Yeah. I would completely agree. Um, before we flick on to the next question, it's just a, a kind of reminder for anybody that, that is, that is watching. Um, if there's any questions you want to ask then just type them into the stream chat and they'll appear on the screen, uh, which I can see. And then I will obviously read them. You can ask JP questions if you want. You can ask the two of us. Um, you can ask anybody else who's listening, whatever, whatever you want to, so if you want to interact, feel free to, if you're watching this on YouTube, you've missed the boat for that. So you can, you can ask a question in the comments and we will look to respond, <laughs> but you won't get an instant response while you're watching the video. <laughs> Because it's not live, but that's fine. So <laughs> going to, I mean, and actually, just before we flick on to the next question, in terms of season by season record, this is as far as my uh, my immense uh, what was the word I'm looking for research went. This is how deep the research went. So I looked at the season by season record, and I was absolutely stunned. I I, I knew Vegas had been good; they've been seriously good over the last four seasons. I don't think anybody is, is going to have forgotten that. But when you, my thought was. Vegas have got worse since the first season, and that in terms of numbers, by the way, so it actually wins um, positions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because they got so far in that first Stanley Cup um, playoffs, obviously they got to the Stanley Cup final, um, and then they couldn't repeat that the last two seasons. Obviously, they got a little bit further last season as well. But you actually look at the numbers; they have been progressively getting better. I mean, you're talking we ignore the COVID impacted year but 51 wins the first year 43 the second then 39 but then they did 40 wins last season um, which is a, a 56 game season now you could argue the divisions maybe helped that a little bit but I don't think they were helped anywhere nearly as much as some of the other teams um, that had pretty easy divisions comparison to what they're going to have this year so um, yeah it's definitely a team that, that surprised me of how, how good they've been like you said clearly in win now mode so, yeah, the team is totally stacked. <laughs> There's oh, yeah, no yeah. doubt about and, that and right now. Push the cap. I mean, like they've massively pushed the cap. I, I, I we can cover this now, but I, I think that that, like you said, that eventually does come back to bite you. Um, so the so the next question I have on this list is: at what point? Because we know that Vegas win win now mode. So at what point does win now mode start to hurt a team? So if we look at teams like Chicago, uh, like Detroit, you know, there is an argument where the better teams and the teams that have had more uh, longevity in terms of success, I'm thinking teams like Boston um, and Penguins, to be honest, uh, there's an argument where that mix between going for broke and building is really, really 
important. So what's your thoughts in terms of, you know, what what point do you think Vegas are going to have to look at this and go, maybe we need to start to build as well as go for bust? Yeah, I feel like it's it's a very thin thread. It's a really fine line between how hard do you push and and then how much do you plan for the future? I mean, right? Like teams can't stay amazing forever historically they're always they're going to regress at some point and like you mentioned boston is one that comes to mind that has managed to stay very good for a pretty long period of time you know i i don't know the history of that team as well as i do obviously the teams in this division but they've been very good for a long time um and i feel like some teams are you know they look at it that way they're like well let's just stay very good for as long as we can and then some other teams are like let's be outstanding yeah. And if we can get that, who cares if we can get that cup, <laughs> right? It's so worth it. Like yeah. They, yeah. yeah, they gamble a little harder and they, and I feel like Vegas maybe is in that category. Like they're gambling a little bit harder with the knowledge that eventually it is going to drop off. But you know, it's, it, Bill Foley is a very um, astute and powerful businessman. And he said playoffs, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but mm. he was quoted as saying, I could be off by one, one year, but <laughs> I think he said playoffs in three, cup in six, or he might have said playoffs in three, cup in five. I can't remember which one of those it was, but I think he meant that. And I think in the culture within the team, I think that's they go by that. And so, um, yeah, it, but it, yeah, it, there's going to be a price to pay for that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if they don't win the cup in that time frame. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say how long before things start to drop off. And there's obviously a little bit of chance there too, because players get injured, players, their performance drops off. But, you know, I don't know. With the current roster, the current core, maybe there's another couple of years, two or three years kind of where where they can be maybe in strong contention. But uh, pushing this hard, you feel like it's got to drop off at some point, right? And that's coming from a Vegas fan. I wish they would just stay amazing forever, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you're right. We've seen that happen, right? Like Chicago, what they won, what three Stanley cups in recent, like in the last 15, 20 years. And they yeah. definitely dropped off eventually. And you're right. Detroit, like bit of a dynasty for a while there and they dropped off too. So it's a really complicated question, but, um, but if I were going to, you know, wager which category does Vegas fall into they're pushed, they're going for broke. I think they're pushing super hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think they're like let's let's see how long we can stay pretty good. I think they're they're thinking let's be amazing right now. It's not to say that they disregard the future, but I think they lean a little bit more towards the you know, they just got their sights set on a Stanley Cup. They want that Stanley Cup, you know. And again this is where your your knowledge is going to be far far greater than mine, but you know, the, again, from from, a, from an outsider's perspective, the the kind of downside of being so successful so fast is, and like other organisations, you haven't had a chance to kind of build that that depth of prospects because you know you, you started on day one with well you know, zero none, and then obviously you've built through the drafts. Obviously, Cody Glass is, is probably one of the the more famous prospects that Vegas had, but. Like how bare is is the cupboard at the moment? I mean, there's a lot of draft picks I've seen traded by Vegas over the years. I, I know they've tend to have kept the the, the you know the, the firsts, but generally yeah, there, there can't be a, a great amount of of kind of prospect coming through. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, it's. I mean, 
it's been picked a little bit clean compared to the way it was in year one and year two. Um, interestingly, though, our AHL affiliate here in Vegas, the Henderson Silver Knights, you know, the minor league team um, for the Knights is is extremely good. They they went how far did they go last year? I don't think they quite made it to the Calder Cup final. I think they made it to like essentially the semifinals. Yep. Um, so the team is deep, but yeah, as far as like prospects that are maybe going to be big star players, um, you know, Peyton Krebs is probably the biggest name right now yep. who's very likely to crack the roster next year, I think. Uh, although the roster is awfully deep. I think he's either going to fully crack the roster or they're going to keep developing him in the AHL. I don't see him sitting in the press box. They're not, they're not going to keep him on the roster and healthy scratch him all the time. Like he's yeah. either going to, legit make the roster or, or they'll keep, uh, keep developing him in Henderson, but he's kind of the biggest name, but it's definitely, yeah, they've traded away some of those assets for sure. Um, there's some, you know, definitely some promising prospects, uh, you know, in goaltending as well. Logan Thompson is the kind of the number one on our AHL affiliate. There's a lot of buzz around him. He was the uh, voted, I don't remember the name of the award, but he was awarded essentially the kind of the equivalent to the Vesna, but in the AHL, right? The trophy yeah. for best goaltender in the league. So there's some promise in goaltending there. Um, definitely a few other names, but it's not like it was. They definitely had, had to get rid of some assets to make the team as strong as it is now. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier. There eventually may be a prize for that, you know, maybe, maybe not. But well, like you said, uh, if you win the cup, you know, if he does yeah. it, if he wins it this year, he does it within his five, his five years. Right. So they've hit his target. Um, yeah, and then and then, like you said, it, all sins are all forgotten, aren't they? So uh, that's yeah, winning cures all. <laughs> well, it, it does, and if you, you do have to do when you look at because rebuilding doesn't always work hard. It's not it's not an exact science with sports, you know. So there's plenty of teams that have been rebuilding after trying to you know, be successful and then, and they've been rebuilding ever since. So they're kind of stuck in this almost constant rebuild mode. So, um, and I don't know which, which one I'd, I'd rather have. And like you said, Chicago, obviously going through a lot of pain, uh, ironically, their cap situation is, is better now, but it wasn't for, for long periods, you know, of the kind of 2010s and, uh, and into the, the, the kind of early, early, uh, years this decade, but the three cups, you know, you kind of look at it and go, yeah, okay. So, I mean, yeah, their yeah. name is etched in history. It's on the cup. Everybody knows that, right? Mm -hmm. Chicago, like they were a beast. They won three cups in this short period of time. And yeah, they, that's um, fortune favors the brave. And that glory is, that's worth a lot for a fan base and a team, even if they go through some dark times, right? Chicago fans will always say, yeah, remember in my lifetime, we won the Stanley Cup three times. I mean, that's mm. amazing. So you do have to weigh, what are you in it for? And I know some fans are less concerned with winning and they're more concerned with the players that they love and they fall in love with the team and they value the relationship with the team. And I get yeah. that. Obviously, within the league, the players and the management, they want to win, right? Business, so yeah. yeah. It's business and it's money, and um, 
And so, yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing. And mm-hmm. fingers crossed, hopefully Vegas does bring home a cup at some point. Obviously, that would make me a very happy camper. But <laughs> I am aware of the dark valley that could wake, <laughs> that could lie just beyond the horizon. Cap right? Hell, it's, yeah. uh, it's there. Yeah. It's real. Trust me, it's, it's real. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. It's, uh, and yeah. Uh, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, Go ahead. no, no. It's just it's it's just funny because it Capel is 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 just one of those one of those one of those things that you're going to go through at some point in time. All organisations do. And to be fair, there is whilst Vegas are tight this season, it does get better as the years go on because contracts fall away and you know that's kind of mm-hmm. standard. But um, because they don't have these kind of A-star prospects, they haven't really got to worry about kind of paying anybody who isn't already getting paid. A lot of the guys who are on your roster now are already getting paid a decent amount. So even when it comes, you know, Nolan Patrick aside, but even when it comes to re-signing some of these guys, it, it shouldn't be too difficult. Um, one other question that I, I wanted to make sure we get on this, uh, on this, this, well, this show, this episode, whatever we want to call it. Um, and that is around... Uh, the ads on the jerseys. So for those that maybe haven't kept up to speed with Hockey News recently, it was confirmed uh, from the NHL as well. So this is unlike when we were talking about uh, Marc-Andre's Twitter. This isn't just uh, isn't rumour. This is true. They've confirmed that from 2022-2023 season that the jerseys will have advertising on them. Now, they haven't specified unless they have recently, but I haven't seen them specify the amount, the size, any of those kind of things. Um, but this is something very close to my heart because, you know, I've obviously grew up watching British hockey and, and European hockey because it was a lot harder to watch NHL back in those days without giving my age away. Um, but, <laughs> but potentially Twitch wasn't around back when I was a kid, so it was a little hard to watch it. Um, and... That you know, so I've seen what happens to jerseys when this when this goes awry. So I get that there's people that are saying, "Look, I'm not being funny. Advertising is already in sport. That's why we have to break every two seconds." And they say this power play is sponsored by some energy bar or whatever. Like I, I get all that, but it's very different when it's on the jersey. And and like we've seen in other sports, and and obviously football is probably as in soccer is the one of the best examples to use. Once you open Pandora's box, there's no shutting it. So, you know, the, the league's decision, I think, I hope that they said it was unanimous in terms of the votes, but they asked the owners, like, of course, they're going to vote unanimously. But for me, this is, a, <laughs> this is a really, you know, would you like some more revenue, guys? Oh, and by the way, this is the way you're all remunerated. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Like, it's, it's, that's not a shock. Um, but... Unlike that, we saw it with the helmets this season. Now, I don't. I personally didn't mind the helmets, but when they started doing that, I thought you guys are testing the water. You're testing the water to see how bad the reaction is from the fans. But I just, I, I love the weather. I mean, I, I can write all day about this, and I will do after I let you finish. But what's your thoughts, JP, in terms of you know, advert, adverts on 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 jerseys? Yeah, I get that the timing makes total sense, right? That we've just come through the pandemic. The NHL lost gargantuan amounts of revenue and so did the teams. So it was clear that they're looking to add revenue streams and try to make up for some of those losses. Like all those new uniforms last season, that that wasn't an accident. Every team didn't get a reverse retro. Every team in the league didn't issue a reverse retro jersey just by chance. That that's all about selling jerseys and 
you know, in, in Vegas's case, two New Jersey's, right? We got the Vegas got the reverse retro as well as the gold alternate. Yep. So yeah, it's the timing doesn't surprise me. And ads on jerseys, right? That's a huge revenue stream for every team for the NHL. I don't know what the revenue split ends up being on that. I'm sure the NHL maybe takes a cut, but um so the timing makes total sense in terms of how I feel about it and how a lot of you know fans in the US feel about it. We're just not used to that here. So the only sport where where I think as on jerseys is super common or the only uh, only one of the sort of big 5 sports in the US is soccer and or football as you'd say in the UK and and <laughs> the uh that's common practice, right? But yep. but in the MLS, they're still just doing kind of the traditional, just one big sponsor on the front of the jersey. And so that wasn't hard for people to accept because soccer fans are already used to that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you would know more than me, but I've seen what it looks like in the European leagues, right? And they're just like skating billboards on ice. Yeah. So that's where that's where it ends up. The uniforms end up looking pretty tacky and and gaudy, but I get it. A lot of the European leagues, they're not turning the kind of profit that the NHL is. And so I do understand that need to kind of bring it in wherever you can with the NHL. You could argue they're probably, they'd probably be fine without it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Like you said, you asked the owners, Hey, you guys want to make more money? Yeah, and, <laughs> right. and, and they're just like in terms of revenue they've just done a new tv deal as well and i can't remember when that kicks in this year or next year but this year so, yeah they, they, like the league wasn't wasn't struggling and and i, I know that there's, there's lots and lots of mechanics at play here and and i get it i just you know there's certain decisions that maybe from a morality perspective i don't like and and this is coming from a you know obviously Batman's you know he's in charge it's his his decision at the end of the day um and this is a guy who in 2015 said that it would you know he they'd have to take him kicking and screaming to do it and then <laughs> six years now he may say you know we haven't got him on the show but it's a shame uh, and i'm sure if he, if he hears this he's gonna think well, i'm never gonna go on anyway um but right. like and i know the pandemic changed a lot of things but for that year like we're going to have fans back in the stadiums this year. Like you said, they re- they're releasing 23, apparently, new jerseys this year. So 23 of the 32 teams are, are having new jerseys. Now, yes, two of those 23 are the Seattle ones, uh, which I will be ordering on day one. But the, the, the other 21 are alternates, which, like you said, they're purely revenue, revenue generators. Another thing that we've seen in other sports where they change it. Now, I've seen... The way the NBA does the sponsorship, and it is subtle, because that was one of the arguments we had back on our on our Discord channel. Was I, I get your, what you're saying, you know, Ian, about the European leagues? But actually, if you look at the NBA, there is a way of doing it where it doesn't completely uh, ruin the jersey. It's just it's it's just kind of quiet and and on the kind of uh, like the the chest kind of area, um, but. You know, being devil's advocate, which I like to be, um, then I would say that's fine. But let's have that chat in five years' time when there's three of them rather than the exactly. one here, because it always, you know, the, like, these guys are businessmen. We've talked about it quite a few times within this show. Like 
Hockey is a business. The NHL is a business. Vegas Golden Knights is a business. So they're going to want to make more revenue tomorrow than they're making today because everything is year-on-year growth. Everything is is comparables and and you know that's what one of the things that Vegas has done fantastically well. And I don't want to pump Vegas's tires too much, but there is no denying that the, one of the reasons they've got such an engaged fan base is because they made being a hockey an experience. And that's one thing that has never really transferred over to British hockey. We still don't don't create the right atmosphere within the grounds that just makes it an experience to watch a sport rather than just being about what's on the ice or on the field or on the you know wherever. Um, but it's a business, and that means that like when they get used to the revenue they're going to get from whatever they start with, they're going to want more and more and more and more. We've seen it with the ads on the on, you know around the you know around the ice and everything. So yeah. It's definitely just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Pandora's box is a proper description. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. this because, it, like you said, last year with the helmets. And they did, I believe I did read in an article, it did say what they're going to be this year. It's um, the the ads on jerseys. My understanding is it's like a two to three inch patch. Yeah. So some, like you said, something small and subtle, but I completely agree with you. It's just, it's just the beginning. In fact, I posted on Twitter about this um, before they announced it, just it, just speculatively because there had been talk of it. I posted some pictures of European jerseys and some <laughs> of the most yeah. ridiculous cases, uh, and said, "What you know, this might be where we're headed." You know, and of course, the reaction from the U.S. fan base just because the jerseys look so clean, right, and slick and with no ads on them. Yeah, everybody was putting the little vomit emojis, and you know. <laughs> But, they're right, but you're they're right. right. I, because I think it's coming. You know? Exactly. And the difference between the jerseys in, in Europe and the UK, and there's some fantastic, if you took the ads off, there's some fantastic color schemes and jerseys and logos and really innovative things because they've, you know, they've tried to be different you know, depending on the age of the league and stuff. And there's some fantastic colored jerseys, certainly in the SHL as well, the Swedish Hockey League. Um, but... You can't see it because of, of all the ads. And the difference with the NHL is these jerseys are nostalgic. The reason why they're doing retro reverse and the reason why they're as successful as they were is because these jerseys mean something to people. People collect NHL hockey jerseys. Sad people like myself have them hung behind them. Like that's not a getting hung behind me if on the back of it it says Ford Mocars. You know, that's like, I, I just think it's, it's different and even if you're on, you know, if you're listening to this live or on YouTube or wherever, and you're thinking, Ian, you know, you're talking crap, then that's fine. Um, but let's see where we are in five years' time, and 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 how and how you know how far Pandora's boxes we've gone into. Because oh yeah, I'm gonna bet yeah. on I'm gonna bet on more ads. It's not gonna stop there. I think you're, yeah, I think you're totally right about that. It's uh, it's just the beginning of that hmm. that. Uh, downhill slide if you want to call it that exactly <laughs> now one last thing that i wanted to pick up and we're, we're coming up to so 57 minutes now so we're just coming up to just about the hour but it's fine we've got enough time to get this question asked and this is one that i, I wanted the second that we said we were sorting this out jp i thought i want to ask him this question um because it's just interesting to hear about expansion teams from somebody who's watched an expansion team grow up but if you were um, sat in front of uh, Ron and the rest of the Seattle team 
Uh, what could you say to them? And what, what can they learn from Vegas for the first couple of years? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question because <clears throat> as far as on the ice, I feel like Seattle is going to be built very differently than Vegas was. Like if you're just talking about the hockey, right, there's the business part of it for sure. But um, yeah, they seem like they're stacking up to be a little bit more of a defensive style team a la Islanders, you know, Dallas, Montreal, yep. where Vegas was sort of a high octane, high speed, you know, you know, kind of not a heavy team, like fast and kind of fast and furious, high scoring. So different styles for sure. But I think maybe it, it might be more learning on the, maybe a little bit more on the business side, on the fan side, you know, maybe on building a team. I mean, there's a nice blueprint there that McPhee and McCrimmon have used to great success on how to come out of the gate with a brand new team and how to take advantage of that clean slate. Um, and so far, I you know I think I think Seattle's doing all right so far, uh, and I can't help but imagine that they did take take some of Vegas's moves to heart, right? Like, look at how these guys did it. How can we take that and uh, you know put our own style on it that that matches our vision for the team? Um, you know, I'm, what I'll be curious to see about Seattle is whether they're like go for it right out of the gate like Vegas did yep. or if they've got a little bit more of a maybe a long-term plan in mind right like and I think they're going to make more moves by the way I don't think the, I think the roster is still going to change some before the beginning of the season but um yeah I don't know I think that if anything that's probably and I think also the fan experience and by the way Seattle if I weren't already a Vegas fan, I want to be a Seattle fan. I mean, the branding is awesome. The, it is. The, jer the jerseys, uh, the color, the color scheme, the everything so far in terms of the visual. And I know some people don't like the name. I think that's like the best name in the NHL. The Kraken, no team has ever been called Kraken before. It's it's yeah. so perfect. Like a mythical sea monster. So the marketing potential is huge. Um, there's the obvious, you know, nod to Clash of the Titans, you know, release the Kraken. I'm sure they're going to use that in game. So <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that's the other thing. I think now that they get to start from scratch, I think the entertainment experience in Seattle is likely to be way up there because they get a clean slate, right? Yeah. You try to do that in Boston or in Montreal, the fans, they don't want it. Like I've, you know, during the playoffs, I heard Montreal fans say stuff like, oh, this is it's ridiculous. Like all those lights and all that noise. Like we don't need that here. We're a real hockey city. And it's just because <laughs> yeah. it's not what they're used to, right? Like they're used to the traditional, the organ music and poutine, and, right? There's a hockey experience that they're used to. But since Seattle's getting to start from scratch, I anticipate that they will take Vegas's lead in terms of the in-game experience. Yeah. I think... Vegas set a trend there. And I think when out of town fans come here, I've talked to a ton of visiting fans at games. I mentioned to you earlier, I'm a season ticket holder and I talk to visiting fans all the time and they're blown away by the in arena experience. It is, it is so intense to watch a game in the fortress. And I fully expect that the Kraken will do that as well. So I think that's one of the things, you know, they'll put their own spin on it, right? They're not going to have showgirls, you know, but behind the goals like we do, but, uh, <laughs> um, but that's kind of what I'm expecting to see. So I think they'll, I think they'll especially follow the t Vegas's lead when it comes to kind of the business end of it and the fan engagement end of it. Yeah. It seems to me like 
in terms of the style of the team they're building, it does seem like it's going to be a different style of hockey. And that's, that's not a bad thing, right? Like that, that's obviously an effective way. I mean, on Montreal be Vegas, right? So it, it, it it can work. (laughs) They made it to the finals. So Mm -hmm. it'll be exciting to see. I'm, I'm, uh, very excited to see the Kraken and how they do. And I'll be following Seattle with um, much anticipation, except for when they play Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I hope they do. They that goes do without saying. Um, because there is, you know, there was a lot to be said now about that in-getting experience. So if, if Seattle uh, organization is listening, just don't let me down on the goal song. Okay. So it's Seattle. It's the home of grunge music. Smells Like Teen Spirit is possibly the most obvious slash best goal song you could choose. Oh, uh, yeah, that's just, pretty good. Just choose it, right? Even if you only keep it for the first season, you'll make right. a happy man. There you go. Um, cool. So, obviously, it goes without saying, JP, but I really appreciate you taking the time out today uh, to come on and to, to get questions thrown at you and to, to answer them very well as well, so I would say so. But I want to give you a chance for you to kind of say to everybody where where they can kind of connect with you where they can find you and uh yeah where they can catch up with more golden steel stuff absolutely and thanks um and thanks for having me by the way it's been a blast chatting with you yeah uh, if anybody's interested in what i do right now i'm only on twitter it's just at gold and steel vgk so like the abbreviation for vegas golden knights so my twitter handle is um yeah, gold, not golden, but gold and steel VGK. And right now, everything I do is right there on the Twitter profile. I'm going to launch a website pretty soon and possibly one other social media channel. But initially, I've tried to just keep it focused on the Twitter. That For sports, I feel like everybody's on Twitter, Chad, and that's a good place to be. So um, for any other Golden Knights fans that are listening, and, and actually, I like to talk hockey in general. It's Golden Knights skewed for sure, but uh, we just talk about general NHL news and stuff too. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody who's interested, come on out. Awesome. Awesome. And, and thanks again for, for being on the show. Um, thanks for those that are, are listening. So if you're listening to it live, thank you very much for being part of it. If you're listening to it on YouTube, uh, we thank you all the same. In terms of catching up with things from an FMDG perspective, uh, as you will know, we've got the Twitch channel uh, and we've got the next stream coming on Wednesday. So that'll be going back to the Football Manager Series. So that'll be the Belgium Pro League Challenge starting at half six BST, so that's UK time. Um, and then a week today, so next Sunday, we'll be back doing the next episode of the Offensive Zone show uh, where we'll be covering the latest hockey news. And if that isn't enough, then we've also got a Discord channel. But the best way to find out all the ways you can connect with us is to go to the website, which is below me here, franchisemode.co.uk. And you can see the various different things we have, including... Um, for those sports gamers among us, uh, a FIFA 22 beta review. So if you've got a spare 10 minutes, you want to read that, then you can read the musings of a, uh, of a, of a madman. So there you go. Um, cool. Right. Well, look, that's covers us for today. So thanks for everyone for watching. Uh, thanks again to JP and if we'll see you on Wednesday. So see you in a bit. Thanks guys. Thanks Ian.